At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 51st episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And we are joined once again by a very special guest coming to us all the way from Dananda. We have Freya with us again. How are you, Freya? I'm good. Yeah, I'm alive. <laughs> She's Belly. alive. And uh, we just got done in the pre-show talk discussing how she had her senior formal, and it's the last mm -hmm. hurrah before they get into graduation and all that good stuff. So when she says she's alive, well, that's why. <laughs> well, Freya, you sent us an email and said, you guys need to check out this place called the Monte Cristo Homestead. And when I put it in, it popped up, Denise, as the, the most haunted place <laughs> in the world. It's one of the most haunted houses, and they say it is the most haunted house in Australia. Is that true, Freya? Oh, mm, yeah. I think it's. I think this time it's legit. I think <laughs> this time it's the most haunted house in Australia. Okay. Well, I know looking over the stuff you sent us and some of the stuff that I looked at, wow, that place is crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't believe That's all the stuff they have going on there. How close are you to New South Wales? I'm almost on the border. Like we drive south. I go to a dentist down in Tweed Heads. So that's just on the border between New South Wales and Queensland. But I'm not near Jenny, which is where Monte Cristo is. Okay. So have you in, so you've never been to it? We did a road trip a couple of years ago where we went down to Canberra, but I think we drove past Jenny, but we didn't go into it. We went inward a little bit, but uh, we didn't spend long in wood because we're, my family are totally coastal people. So we didn't spend any time there. So you were heading for the beach. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we hear you. We love our beaches, too. Oh, good. <laughs> Before we get into the heart of the show, we do want to point you towards our historygoesbump.com website. It's got everything about the show over there. Our emporiums there, the archives of the show, where you can find the podcast, subscribe to the newsletter, and, of course, to donate to the show. Denise, if people want to get a hold of us, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And we do want to thank those of you who have helped us out with all of the likes over at Facebook. You guys have been doing a phenomenal job. We've had some new people join us in the Spooktacular crew this week. We want to welcome Ian. Hello, Ian. And Alyssa. Hello, Alyssa. And I don't know if we welcome Tanya, but she joined us a couple of weeks ago in the Spooktacular crew as well. 
Hi, Tanya. And the really cool thing about Tanya, Denise, is that she's going to be at Scarefest in September in Lexington, Kentucky. Peddling her zombie wares. Yeah, she has these really cool things called zombie pops. I'm thinking I'm going to need to get one of those. They're um, basically, I would say they're like zombie, little miniature zombie bus that are on a stand. Or I guess you could say a stick. So they would be like pop lollipops i guess <laughs> lollipops but anyway they're really cool love. plus tanya i guess does you can commission her to do zombie families families likenesses and tanya offered to have a bunch of our cards and stickers sitting at her table too so that's a wonderful marketing opportunity for us so we greatly appreciate that and uh, tanya offering that to us and somebody i forgot to mention on our last show denise christina has been running around liking everything for a long time she's probably like uh diane hello over here can you say thank you? Hello, Christina. We're saying double thank you now. <laughs> and thank you to all the rest of you guys who've been doing a fabulous job for us. We greatly appreciate that. We did get another review over at iTunes. Thank you so much to an avid follower. Five star. Great podcast. I learned so much and it makes my commute much more bearable. It's like a well-organized portable ghost tour. It's exactly what we're shooting for. Please keep making many future episodes, Diane and Denise. Well, you better believe we have lots on tap. And that is definitely in the plan. All right, let's get this thing started, ladies. If you would like to support the show, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump. Or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation. Click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com. During medieval times, something unusual was discovered in a pit outside of Suffolk Village. Two children were in the pit, and they both were quite odd. Ralph of Coggleshall wrote of the discoverer, quote, A boy was found with his sister by the inhabitants of that place near the mouth of a certain pit that is situated there. In the shape of their whole bodies, they were like other people, but they differed in color of their skin from all the mortal inhabitants of our world. For the surface of their skin was all colored with a green hue, end quote. Another writer by the name of John Clark noted that the children were, quote, dressed in clothing of an unusual color made of unknown material, end quote. Witnesses claimed the children did not know English and that they had unusual dietary habits. They both were adopted by a local lord, but one of the children died. The other grew up and his coloring became a ruddy red. Some researchers have suggested that the children were anemic, and this perhaps is why their skin had a greenish tinge. But the people of Suffolk probably all had anemic children, and so this would not have seemed peculiar. The children could have had carotinemia from eating too many carrots, which colors the skin an orangish green. There are theories that death comes in the shade of green, and perhaps the children were close to death. One indeed did die. The horseman of death in Revelations is green. The children had been in a pit, and the superstitious villagers assumed this meant they came from another world. Aren't Martians green? Well, we'll never know why these children were green. The most curious thing to us is how these children survived in this pit. How long were they in this pit? How did they get to the spot, since they apparently were not locals? And where were their parents? That is what truly makes this story quite odd. 
Welcome. We have been expecting you. <laughs> This Day in History On this day, June 19th in 1778, General George Washington's Continental Army vacates Valley Forge after the British retreated. General Washington had brought 12,000 men with him to the valley seeking protection from the winter. The snow fell as they arrived and the Continental Army would endure a horrible winter. Food, clothing, weapons, and every other supply was scarce. Supplying Valley Forge was not only difficult, but politics got in the way. The Continental Congress could be as inept as our modern-day Congress, but some of the men were also fighting in the war, so appropriating funds and supplies took time. The British blocked supplies as well. Fevers, smallpox, typhoid, and dysentery killed many of the men. General Washington wrote in a letter to Governor Clinton of Pennsylvania, quote, as naked and as starving as they are, we cannot enough admire the incomparable patience and fidelity of the soldier, end quote. The Continental Army got their second wind after leaving Valley Forge, and they defeated the British at Monmouth. They marched on to Yorktown, where they defeated the British one more time, ending the war. History Goes Bump Podcast. Well, uh, Denise, why don't you go ahead and read that about the history of Juni, and we'll get a little feel for the area that Monte Cristo Homestead is found in. The Monte Cristo Homestead is found in the town of Juni in New South Wales. The name Juni is derived from the Aboriginal word for frog. A group of indigenous Aboriginals named the... Can you help me out here, Freya? <laughs> what, ra, ra, oh, no. Is it the Wiradjuri? Can you, can you like type it? And then I'll see. Maybe you can like type it in the Skype chat. See, finally, I don't have to slaughter words. I have somebody who can help me out. Maybe. I don't speak Aboriginal. <laughs> or I, I, don't, I don't speak the various Aboriginal languages because it's all different languages. Right. Oh, dear. <laughs> sort of like. Uh, Wiradjuri. Wiradjuri. Wordery, okay. Wordery, like wordery, so kind of leave the D out. Word, <laughs> wordery. Okay, so we're going to go with that. Aboriginals named Wordery lived in the area. These people were hunter, fisher, and gatherers. Leopold de Salis was one of the first Europeans to travel to the area, and he set up agriculture in the area and helped establish the town, which opened its first post office in 1862. By 1866, the population of Juni was 12. <laughs> wow, big town. <laughs> huge. Wow, what a huge town. The main South Line Railroad had a line which was built five miles outside of Juni, and this led to the expansion of the town. Juni became an important stop on the line, and the town was moved closer to the railway with a new post office opening. Government was formed in 1886, and a courthouse was built in 1890. And the interesting thing is Australia is very similar to America in this. Basically, to establish a town, you just put in a post office and it's a town. you got 12 people. It's like, oh, okay, is 12 people really? Because for some people, that's their family. <laughs> so is that really a town? But yeah, if you put a post office in, you're good to go. Yeah. I, how else are they going to make all these towns out in the outback, though? Because not many people live there. I guess that's very true. It, it makes you wonder when people are looking at moving into the outback and getting started. I guess when we had our expansion here in America, it was very much similar to that. But the outback seems so much more barren and 
Wow, you better be prepared. It's very inhospitable. I don't know how people manage to set up farms and stuff out in the middle of Australia because it's when we were driving through, I was like, there's nothing here. There is nothing here. Do you know know where they would get water and that from Mm -hmm. for their farming? I don't know how the Aboriginal people survived like with water. I mean, I know if you dig down deep enough, sometimes you can hit water, but wow. Yeah, it's a hit or miss thing. I, I would think it'd be kind of like our deserts here. that Yeah, just waiting for the rain and trying to... Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that uh, Mr. Crawley did. Why don't you tell us a little bit, Freya, about him setting up, you know, buying this land and setting up his, basically his homestead there. The land on which Monte Cristo was originally built was owned by Christopher William Crawley, who acquired... I don't know if he bought or was given a 400 acre, then a 120 acre area of land around 1876 that is now known as Janine. He struggled with farming, probably for lack of water. Sure. He then, yeah, then he built a hotel, possibly on a tip off, on the newly built Great Southern Railway line. The hotel was a great success as the tiny township experienced an influx of travellers from the railway, and promoted, which promoted its growth. His wealth grew a lot, and at the height of his power, he owned almost the entire area of Juni, which wow. was, you know, considerable. And he was named a town founder, obviously. he Apparently, he was a generous and responsible man, although... Later, that was um, contested. And he gave parcels of land to build the church and community projects. Monte Cristo was built in 1876, where he lived with his wife, Elizabeth, and seven children. And so this is right in the smack dab middle of the Victorian era. So this house is one of those Victorian homes. I just, that's my favorite architecture is Victorian. Mm -hmm. Have you seen a photo of it? I have, and it is a really beautiful home. Isn't it gorgeous? It's it's so beautiful. I can't remember where, but I saw a photo of it. They took a photo of it when the new owners bought it and it and like it was ruined. It looked ruined, but it was like you could tell that it was such a gorgeous it could be such a gorgeous house. Wow, that really sad to see those those kind of houses go kind of dilapidated though. Well, you know, it's funny. It kind of <clears throat> parallels human beings is that sometimes they can be so beautiful on the outside that they draw you in and then they're ugly and dark on the inside. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true because this place is pretty dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's hard to believe that you had, you know, this man that was con- considered generous and then you've got his wife with, bless her, as I like to say, seven children back then. And oh. in this inhospitable area, I can't imagine raising children out there. Mm-hmm. That would have been very difficult. So yeah. well, as happens with a lot of these places, the railway comes in and people decide to start building things around there. So he had a really, at first she probably thought, you want a farm out here? But then when he got that hotel up, she was probably like, oh, wow, you are amazing. Well, <laughs> and the thing is, you wonder what the hotel was built on, because similar to here in the United States, they take up a lot of sacred grounds from the, the native people. So who knows what they've built over maybe Aboriginal type stuff in the land, too, when we start talking about some of the other things that happened here. Exactly, because as it is, we've discussed this before with our Native Americans, it's the same thing with the Aboriginal people there. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about Elizabeth and Christopher and how things went for them there at the home? Because everything sounds great on the outside. Wow, they've he's got this business going, they're helping to build the town, they're founders, they're doing great, but things aren't so good inside the house. 
No, it wasn't. They had a really grand and really amiable public life, but their true nature is pretty disturbing. Um, many servants later reported harsh mistreatment at the hands of their employers. And remember that, like most, think most maids at that time would have been Aboriginal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they would have been. Many deaths occurred in the house. Um, a maid was pushed or jumped off the balcony. A woman died in labour. A stable boy burnt to death and a nanny threw a little girl down the stairs. Although she claimed she was pushed out of her arms by an unseen force, but I, yeah, she might have thrown her. I actually don't know what happened to that nanny. Now I think about it, like... Yeah, I mean, did they arrest her or... Yeah, I guess they must have had to. Like, she could, she's like saying like, oh, I accidentally stabbed someone. An (laughs) unseen force made me stab them. Um, That's not going to get you far in a court, is it? Not unless you live in America. Really? (laughs) Does that happen? (laughs) Well, I I mean, just a little history. Yeah, they they will go in almost every time and plead insanity. And so lots of people use that plea and get off whether they're insane or not. Oh, wow. So there's that unseen force, you know. Well, the nice thing, though, about an insanity plea is that it's not just somebody claiming to be crazy. They have to prove that they don't know the difference between right and wrong. So I guess she could have gotten away with it, too, and been like, well, we were just having some fun on the stairs. Yeah, so... (laughs) So I, they don't totally get away with it in America, and they do have to go. But it's just amazing how many people will out and out do something, and then all of a sudden oh, it's yeah. like, you're not crazy. I think from some of the stuff that I was looking at, this wasn't just any little girl. I think this was one of the Crawley's children, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I yeah. think it was. So we've got right. this happening, which also, of course, would support your idea that perhaps there was not an unseen force here you know, who knows the child was throwing a tantrum and she just got sick of it. Or maybe she was tired of the horrible treatment that she was receiving and this was payback. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like that, that kid that you, that you were talking about, I think in the dolls episode where he, where where, like the servant was a voodoo practitioner and gave, yeah, and gave the kid a creepy doll that that was cursed or something. Yeah. Robert the doll. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) He lives here in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, so we know sometimes these housekeepers and such can do a little payback. I don't do that, but <laughs> I like that's a very good good um, clip there for your advertising, Diane. Housekeepers are wonderful. Are dark. Uh, but actually, my uh, where I go to work because I do cleaning for my neighbor, and where I go to work, she has a lot of dolls and she has a lot of stuff like toys around um, left over from her daughter and. I can't I can't listen to the doll like to your dolls episode in that house because I'm like cleaning away and I just I see these dolls all around me and I go nope nope can't do this (laughs) watching you did that one just look at me there's this one Barney toy though and I just I can't do the Barney toy (laughs) you know what I'd have a hard time with the Barney toy too Barney's way scarier than dolls (laughs) (laughs) if he starts singing that he loves you run quickly Flee, flee the house. Flee. <laughs> She's probably going to listen to this and go, Freya. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. Say, <laughs> so I don't mind cleaning your house. It's just the dolls that creep me out yeah. when I'm listening to creepy doll podcasts. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> this Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. 
That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, there was another housekeeper there, and she had a son who was not all there, I guess, mentally, or he was disabled in some way. Oh, yeah. And he was kept there for, kept locked up in the outhouse for 30 years, which mustn't have been very nice for him. You know, I wonder if this was a customary practice because that happened here as well. We went to a place in Missouri where supposedly there was, remember the monkey face boy that they talked about? Right. Yeah. And, you know, another one of these disabled children that was locked up in an attic. So it makes you wonder if this was, they didn't know what to do with them. So eh, we'll just lock them up. Yeah, I guess. Because I mean, like back then, that's when they would take mentally ill people and lock them up in asylum so it mustn't have been that much different could it that's true Um, and i believe when she died that's what they ended up doing with them is just locking them up in an asylum yeah i remember reading that he like the townspeople like or the people from the village found him or something um and they said you know throwing throwing stones at him and stuff until they could get him out and get him to another care facility or whatever. But I absolutely don't know exactly what happened to him. Yeah, it makes you think he might have been a little bit out of control because if you've been locked up for all those years, he might have been similar to a wild animal kind of. Yeah, going in and Mm -hmm. and scared and not knowing what's happening. And probably the only person who took any care of him was his mother and she's gone and here's all these people treating it, probably treating him like an animal too back then because they oh, were yeah. horrid to um, people with any kind of mental challenges or disabilities. Mm-hmm. It was really sad. My my friend wants to work with mentally ill people and I think like mentally ill children and she's like, she hates hearing about anything like this. Like she, she hates hearing about, you know, people abusing people just because they don't understand them. Sure. Yeah. She it happens kind of thing. all the time, too, even for, you know, some of the elderly people when they're in nursing homes and such, they get taken advantage of as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like there's a weird, insecure fear that makes people be really, really ugly when anybody's different than them. And now we have yeah. more of an understanding, but you can just watch now that we have a more understanding of physical and mental um, dis- disabilities and stuff that we're not doing like the locking up and throwing rocks and stuff, but they always move it to another group. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, it's just a broken part of, I guess, the human race. Yeah. Well, now in 1910, we have something happen. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> he died. Mr. Crowley died. Um, from heart failure, secondary to blood poisoning, from an infected carbuncle on his neck. I'm not sure what a carbuncle is. I'm not sure either. It must be some kind of a sore or something if he got blood poisoning. I don't think Yeah, I think maybe not an infected, like, wart kind of thing. I don't know. You know what? I bet you're probably right. Uh, Denise is going to look it up and see. <laughs> what does Google, Google say? <laughs> the all-knowing Google, Google God. Here it says that they're, they're boils, but it's larger than a boil. So it's an abscess larger than a boil, one with one or more openings draining pus onto the skin. Ew. Ew. That would be a horrible thing to have. So, yeah, I could see how you get blood poisoning back then. So mm-hmm. Apparently it was from his starch collar, too. So that was fun. Yeah, because it is the, here it's saying that it is usually from the hair follicles, multiple mm. infected hair follicles. Oh, maybe he was allergic to whatever they used to clean his clothes. Or yeah. Maybe they made sure he was allergic or to he, what, yeah. what, what they used to clean his clothes. When that maid starched his collar, she starched his collar. <laughs> now, what happened to his wife after this? She was ostracized from the community uh, in her husband's death because of her 
it, well, it could have been because of her suspected Aboriginal heritage. The sources vary on that. She only left the house twice until her death 23 years later. So she was a very solitary woman after that. Yeah, that tends to lead to some hauntings too, just because people get, I, I don't know, I get stir crazy if I'm in the house for too many days. I can't imagine 23 years. Yeah. And interesting that she might have had Aboriginal heritage. So at some point they think there was some mixture going on there. I wonder if it was just because there were rumors flying or if she actually was a little darker complected and that's why. Yeah, I don't know. I guess back then, you know, rumors would be like your only entertainment. So I guess back then, if the rumors were flying enough that she had, you know, tanned skin or something. Sure. And if you're in the outback, I'm sure you're getting tanned skin. (laughs) Yeah. I hope so anyway. (laughs) But she did convert the upstairs box room into her private chapel and that's where most of like that's where she's seen and that that's where her presence is felt later okay so So what happens to the house i mean did they are the kids there or what when she passes away i know the the house remained in the family until 1948 when the last of the crawleys vacated and the house fell into disrepair, but it still had a caretaker. So he was there, but he wasn't necessarily doing the best job. <laughs> yeah, well, one of them, one of them uh, met an unfortunate end. Yes, he did. Tell us about that. Uh, in 1961, a caretaker was shot dead by a local boy who'd been influenced by the movie Psycho. Mm. So that was a like that was a horrifying case. This kid basically watched Psycho and got a gun from somewhere went up to the house and shot this old caretaker and i don't know if the caretaker was uh, like you know how sometimes if the caretaker is taking care of an old house you know people start to weave tales about oh this uh, old man you know up at the house you know like they might weave tales about him so so did the young man think he was like norman bates like up on the old house or did the kid think so did he think he was doing the town a favor by getting rid of this like psychotype character or you're not sure on that i have no idea yeah I have no idea what went through his brain. Yeah, it's just weird because if you think he was inspired by Psycho, I, I believe I've seen the movie a few times. I don't remember guns. I do remember knives and showers. So. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I, I don't know how they, I, I don't know how they knew that he was influenced specifically by that movie. It might have come up in the trial or something, but. Yeah, it it don't, like it doesn't really tie in with the movie, does it? No, unless he was thinking that the caretaker was like psycho, like, and so he was he was influenced by psycho to get rid of him before he could keep killing up there on the uh, the hill yeah. or something like that. Is what I would think. I don't know. Well, this young man was disturbed because one of the things that he did apparently he must have known the caretaker because he had scrawled on a door, "Die, Jack, ha ha," and I believe you can still see that scrawling to this day. Oh, okay. oh, my God. So, yeah, I, he was a little off his rocker. And so I'm thinking this wasn't doing the town a favor. I think he was. Oh, OK. <laughs> well, it was actually. <laughs> so like in like we just talked about earlier. So he might have been using something to, to say why he did something without really knowing that the Norman Bates character was very different than what he did. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because he didn't become mother. <laughs> Yes, mother. <laughs> so who takes over after this caretaker is gone? Two eccentric people, um, Reginald and Olive Ryan, in 1963, who carefully restored the building while raising their five children there. 
imagine that living in a haunted house that would be creepy especially with those kids ah he reg was so dedicated to monte cristo and he worked tirelessly on his restoration and development until his death in 2014 i was really i was really sad to he passed away. Sure, and he that. did do a beautiful job on that house. It's just as gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I became interested in it at around, in around like 2012. Okay. And I was like following his, um, I think he had like a blog or something. I was following his blog where he was, you know, writing about the homestead. He had, some, like, I think it was actually the official website where he wrote about the the place. You can't see the his original writings now. They've revamped the site, but like he he loved that place. You could just tell from the way he wrote about it. He was really into it. It does stink how they've, how they've revamped that site because I believe it's the official Monte Cristo Homestead site. And anytime mm-hmm. I've tried to go on it, my antivirus stuff jumps up and blocks it and says, you don't want to go here. It's a dangerous site. And oh. it does not like that site. So I'm not sure what they've done to it. But whatever yeah. cookies or something they attach to you, my <laughs> virus is like, don't go on there. Or ghosts. Yeah. It'd be ghosts. <laughs> we are talking about the homestead of a very creepy place, just saying. Well, what's interesting about Reg is he said something very interesting, and it could be true. Oh, yeah. He once joked that he would be the next ghost to appear in the house, and that may be true now. His son certainly thinks so. Well, you know, when you put that much time and love into a home, it would be pretty hard to leave. So I don't doubt he might be there. Of course, Apparently, there's some other people there, too, because you think if somebody loves the home, they wouldn't be freaking people out. So there's something else there with him. Oh, yeah. At the homestead, they have it open for tours and stuff. Oh, yeah. For house tours and dinners and overnight stays and, you know, ghost tours. I actually really want to go down there. Oh, for an overnight stay? (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to see it. I I don't need to do the overnight. That's kind of me, too. It's like, let's go look at it. I wouldn't ever want to stay in one. And no. No, no, no. I love how we're all like, let's go hear about this ghost and let's go hear about this ghost and let's look at haunted histories. It's like, you want to stay? No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it shows there's a whole difference between us and ghost hunters. I like to talk about not really experience. Oh, yeah. I like to look from a distance. (laughs) Well, really, the people that first started to notice that there's something going on here were Reg and Olive. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, let's get into the hauntings here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the paranormal activity in the house is said to be extreme. So they've got everything. They've got, like, ghostly figures, which... Like you said on a previous podcast, I think it was like the Holy Grail, yes. like full body apparitions. But they have those in abundance, apparently. Um, they have animal mutilation hmm. and spooky lights and stuff like that. Their first spooky experience was Reg and Olive left the house for a couple hours to get some supplies and stuff. They came back and the entire house was just ablaze with light from the inside. Like all the lights had been turned on. As they came closer to the house, all of them went off again. Nobody mm. else was in that house. They, I don't know if they had any children at that point, but if they if they did, they hadn't left them in the house. Nobody was there at all. So, um, And the really creepy thing is that the electricity hadn't even been connected to the house yet. That's what I was going to ask you about. I was going to say, and, and from what I understand, there was no electricity even connected. <laughs> That was the creepy thing. I was like, oh, my God. It's weird enough when the lights are going on and off by themselves, Mm -hmm. but when there's no electricity involved, okay. Exactly. I was like, at first when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's it's a really old house that has just probably been 
reconnected to the electricity and you know there's new electricity in there so maybe that's why all the lights are going on because it's just tripping itself out but then it's like well i can't blame it on that anymore exactly mm-hmm. two of the ghosts that they think are theirs the crawlies haven't left is that correct mm-hmm. yeah so the crawlies they haven't left what how do they know they're still there oh all the creepy stuff that happens. They know Mrs. Crawley is still there because they see her apparently quite often. Apparitions of both of them are common, but she's definitely the more demanding of the pair because she makes her presence known around the house, but particularly in that converted chapel that she had in the box room at the top of the house. Which is just weird because then you're like, um, that's supposed to be a chapel. Yeah. It's not supposed to have some woman in there. And since she's demanding and everything, it makes you wonder, is she not happy that other people are in the home? Is she like, this is my house, get out? Apparently, Reg believed that or he suspected that. Yeah, oh. She could have just been a grotty old lady. <laughs> well, it would make sense, though, if she... Basically, when she isolated herself, yeah, when she... No, thinking back to Port Arthur. (laughs) Yeah, because when she she put herself into prison, basically, in her own home. And so it makes sense that she'd be there since she only left twice in all those years, you know. And so why would she leave after death? Mm -hmm. Animals don't do well here either. Oh, no. I would hate this house. will not enter the house. I think they've got a dog who will enter the house now, I think they mentioned that. But uh, a few chickens and a pet parrot were were found strangled in their secure pens. So no wonder they don't want to go in there. Yeah, that is just really weird because it's like, why in the world is something killing these birds? And mm-hmm. how? <laughs> yeah. Although she did find, it's, it's not just birds. She did find, um, Olive did find a mutilated cat in the oh. kitchen. Mutilated dead cat. Oh. Oh, and that was the inside kitchen. the home? Um, that was in the kitchen. Wow. That is weird. Mm-hmm. Mm. Really weird. <laughs> now there's other people who've experienced stuff too, not just Reg and his wife. Yeah. Um, Reg's nephew and his wife once stayed on the property and had a scare one night when they were searching for the loo. A woman in white... Of course. (laughs) There's always the woman in white. Yeah, she's here again. (laughs) She gets around, I tell you what. That woman. Uh, She gets around, doesn't she? Yeah. (laughs) She materialized on the landing before them and said, don't worry, it will be all right before disappearing. Hmm. They didn't know what to make of that. Yeah, I don't know. What does that mean? Don't worry. Uh, Why? What's going to (laughs) happen? What are you saying? But yeah, a lot of the visitors experience something. Apparently, there's an experience at least once a week. Wow. Like, that's just like a low day or like a low time. That's a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Um, this might be the most haunted, but mm. continue telling us about the rest of it, Freya. (laughs) (laughs) Visiting children inexplicably throw tantrums on or near the stairs where the child was thrown by her nanny. Hmm, that's Mm. interesting. Yeah. The bed in which the young woman died in labor is the only original bed on the property and is used in the guest bedroom. Ah, no, 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 no. I am not sleeping on something somebody died on. <laughs> so uh, be our guest. Well, this is why you're <laughs> the morning after. Oh. But yeah, some people wake up feeling the residual pains of labor. That is very, very weird because mm-hmm. that makes you wonder, you know, it's one thing to feel something sit on the bed with you or lay on top of you. But to actually inside you, you it feel those like labor it's going pains? in, like, you know, like binding with you. That's yeah, very yeah, scary. Yeah, something coming into you. Oh, boy. Yikes. Oh, no. <laughs> That's some possession. Mm-hmm. And not oh. the kind, I mean, I guess, you know, getting thrown around and throwing up pea soup is not good. But I wouldn't want to have labor pains. Hello. No. 
people have seen um, apparitions. People have seen stuff moving in the dining room, um, especially connected to Mrs. Crawley because she's she's quite unhappy with people walking around her place. Reg seems to have kept his promise about returning. So that's something. He's sometimes seen in the old coach house where he was working on restoring the co- the coaches and the family believe he's still watching over them, which I think is quite nice. It is. And that is an interesting thing about this property is they have, I don't know if it's like a barn that's full of these coaches, but they've got all kinds of them in there and they're really beautiful. And they even had a, I saw there was a hearse one that was like one of those glass ones, Denise. You remember they used to have when they would go oh, yeah. <clears throat> through town and mm-hmm. they'd have the the coffin inside that. They used to have one of those on the property. I don't know if it's still there, but so I don't know if he was a collector of coaches or something. Yeah, I don't know. I think he was just really interested in the historical aspects of a lot of these artifacts because he just worked tirelessly on all of this stuff. That's so neat. You know, here we just love hearing about people who want to take care of the historical stuff rather than letting it just fall into disrepair and stuff. Yeah, that's why I was kind of, uh, I wasn't kind of, that's why I was really upset when he died. Because, you know, I was really sad for his family, but also he was a great, he sounded like a really passionate historian. And I really wanted to have a conversation with him because I love history as well. Sure. Um, I would have loved to like hear what he had to say about all of this stuff in his house. Now, did you ever get to meet him or have you been up to the house? No, she hasn't. Oh, okay. No, I'm really sad about that. And and now, but his family still lives there. Oh, yeah. His family and his son is Lawrence Ryan. He's a stunt former in Australia. So, yeah, (laughs) I guess like the love for the scary has kind of passed down to him in a different way. Well, that's cool. Well, talking about the, the coach's barn that's there. I was kind of looking around for some people who'd had some experiences in the castle spirits website. This is a group I'm assuming they're ghost hunters, but they had gone there and here's one of the experiences that they had that was in where these old coaches were. And seeing as how Reg was uh, so beloved and he obviously loved this place, I'm not exactly sure why they had this experience, but what they wrote is as we moved along through the old coaches, Mike, Eugen and myself, suddenly had the uncanny experience of feeling that something not so good was above our heads. We could see a large loft above with a ladder leading up to it, and Mike took it upon himself to go to the ladder and start to climb up to the loft to explore what was up there. We moved aside so as to not be underneath the loft and underneath the entity above us, and watched as Mike was suddenly overcome by a force pushing him upwards. He allowed himself to be pushed up the stairs and was horrified. I (laughs) I know, I'd be like, I'm getting down. If something's touching me, I'm getting off of a ladder. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, He was, let's see, he was pushed up the stairs, was horrified to find a large open window upstairs with no barriers. He suddenly realized that this entity was pushing him towards the open window, and we all shouted for him to come down the stairs immediately. Mike managed to return down the ladder, but was amazed by the pushing force that he was subjected to. At the same time, Mark Ferguson suddenly cried out and jumped into the middle of our small group. He practically climbed on top of me, and you could see that he was quite terrified. He told how he was standing slightly aside from us by himself in the dark when suddenly he felt something lean up against his side and on his shoulder. We were all witness to the fact that nobody else was in contact with him and that his left side was clear of any coaches or other objects in the shed. Mark found this too frightening as he had already been grabbed by the entity quite a few times since first entering the coach house. It was apparent that this unseen entity was picking on him. We could pick up nothing on film, EMF, or anything else at this time. Since I wasn't bothered by the entity, I was the one who then walked behind everyone with Mark in front of me giving protection to him. 
from the unseen annoyance he was experiencing and was terrifying him so much. Well, you know, oh, Diane, you guy. said you don't know. That might not have been um, Mr. Mr. Ryan. That could have been because the maid said that an unseen force threw the baby. Mm-hmm. That might have been hauntings from before. That remember because sure maybe she wasn't making up a story and there is something about the land that right. is not good yeah. or or just even one of the more not so nice entities down there rather than the one who cared about the house it, and because you said it might not make sense of you know him being this kind of person why would that happen it might not be his ghost yeah there actually was the stable boy who burnt to death he burnt to death in a barn and I noticed that they described it as a barn. I don't know if the coach house became the barn or like was the barn originally. Or built in the but, same place. Um, yeah, what happened was he um he his import like he was sick and he told, you know, the person senior to him that he couldn't come to work because he was sick and he slept in the straw above in the loft above go. the main mm. above, above the main barn. So it would have been up a ladder or yep. up some stairs. His employer didn't believe him and set fire to his bed to get him to, to wake up. He was actually very sick and couldn't get up and he burned to death. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who in the world? Well, I mean, that. can you imagine a, a mother or father can't get their teenage kid out of bed? I'm just going to set the bed on fire. That'll get them out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that they're sick. Don't give my mother any ideas. Today. Don't give her mother any <laughs> don't let her listen to the show then freya <laughs> she'll be like mother no more matches for you here's your excuse though freya i have seen there's scientific evidence that teenagers do need the most amount of sleep of other than newborn babies which is why i don't know what they do there but here in america they switched up the times that school starts because it used to be when i was in high school we had to be there at like seven o'clock in the morning well now most uh, high schools don't even start till 9 a.m. because they want to make sure teenagers are getting plenty of sleep. So it is actually scientifically proven that mm-hmm. teenagers do need more sleep. I don't know if it means you're allowed to sleep until noon, but... <laughs> but however, that doesn't mean that their grades have gone up in any way, shape, or form. No, I don't know that it's helped with school grades. <laughs> yeah, so actually that all fits right together. I bet you that he was experiencing the stable boy and not Mr. Ryan. Yes, I... I had not uh, remembered that she had mentioned that the stable boy had died in there. So I, that's probably, that would be a very angry spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might have been like pushing them towards the, the window to get out because this the, he obviously couldn't get out himself. So maybe oh. he was trying to get out. That's a great point. Other people out. Because for him, it could still be burning. Sure, you know if what it's I mean? residual. It's residual. He could still, it still could be burning. So he could have been actually trying to here. save him, even though it was a completely terrifying experience. I mean, yeah. even a great, like a nice ghost, a, a friendly um, experience, that would freak me out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I love hearing about it. But if something touched me, even if it meant me no you harm, can't see it. yeah, I would be, I would be probably wetting my pants. No yeah. Joke. Oh my God. When you told that story, like about uh, the haunting in, in the Netherlands, about like how um, the girl or the guy, the person telling the story, had like kicked out at the end of the bed and had connected with something. Yeah. I slept in a ball. For <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Sorry. We're freaking people out from <laughs> one one part of the planet to the other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's the last <laughs> I was thing. Like, me. Say, I can, I can feel something, I can see something, but you sure don't want to kick or punch and connect. Oh no! Mm-mm. Of course, I guess it's worse if they connect back at you. Oh yeah! <laughs> wow, what a fascinating and obviously we leave it up to people, but 
Sounds pretty haunted. Are the spirits of servants and others still haunting the halls of Monte Cristo? Is Reg still keeping an eye on the place from the afterlife? Do things really go bump in the night and day at Monte Cristo? That is for you to decide. Well, I look forward to hearing back from you, Frey, after you get a chance to go visit there and let us know what you're experiences are absolutely take two with freya (laughs) maybe i should go for schoolies we have this thing in australia called schoolies like after school finishes up Mm -hmm. we get a week of a week or two of doing whatever we like until graduation um and most people go and party but i think i might go down go down to jenny and see this place that would be fun and wow i i want to go to school there (laughs) we never did (laughs) nothing like that yeah um it's only for year 12 so it's only for people who are actually leaving school sure yeah but it's yeah it's pretty cool um a lot of people just go to the party center on the Gold Coast, Surface Paradise, but I'm not a really a party person. So, well, very <laughs> we were just good. Talking before about how um, all of my friends went to after party mm-hmm. after the formal, and I didn't go because I was like, no, no, I'm going to go rest in my bed. Well, and you don't want to be hung over if you have to do music all the next day, all that banging oh. around in your head. Oof. <laughs> yep. Well, you just keep in mind that you're not a big time party gal when you go to college. If, are you going? Are you going to go to university? Oh yeah, yeah. I want to study Italian or history or being a teacher. You know, a million different things at this point. Oh wow, yeah. a history teacher that goes bump. That would be awesome. I don't that know if the so the parents would like it, but it's like you would get the kids' attention because. I love history, but my history teachers were always so darn boring. But if you brought a know, little right? bump into it, that would that would start stirring that up. Mm-hmm. That'd be my fun. history teacher was great in year eleven. He's like, oh, shout out to Mr. Walther because he's great. He's really funny. Well, good. Well, we want to thank you for joining us again, Freya. This has been a great time. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. And I have no doubt that we will have Freya on once again because obviously there's not just two haunted places in Australia. It's full of them. Well, we already want take two from Monte Cristo from up close and personal. Yeah, we need an update. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as I go there, I'll warn you and then you'll have to grill me. That's right. This is a picture of Freya flying out of the window in the coach barn. (laughs) (laughs) We think she was just trying to be saved. Walking on water as she scurries away from that place. Or I guess walking over the desert as she scurries away from that place. (laughs) Yeah, this is the backside of Freya. She wasn't there for long. All I see is dust. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Tasmanian devil. It's like... (laughs) We want to thank everybody for listening to us. This has been your host, Diane. This has been Denise. And I've been Freya. Hello. (laughs) You guys take care now. Bye-bye. This is Victoria from the Ninth Story Podcast. You're listening to the History Ghost Bump Podcast. History isn't boring. It's terrifying. Especially when it goes bump.
This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.